0: Welcome back to the Half Swing Shinty podcast, where we review and preview the week's shinty from all over Scotland. In the week where SpongeBob SquarePants celebrated 24 years since the first episode, there was lots of great shinty. And to go through it all with me, I have a man whose high school nickname was Mr. Krabs. It's Cami Middleton. Cami, it's great to see you again. How are you, sir?
1: I do I do quite like them be kind of cheeky ones as well. It was unexpected. Quite like, better than the hairline one last week anyway. That's my least favorite one yet. Oh,
0: you've you've taken um, that one really badly, Camille. I mean yeah. to be perfectly honest, uh, I'd never never even noticed that there was an issue with the hairline, but the way you're going on about it's making me think that maybe there is an issue with the hairline, is there? Um definitely a touchy subject. Yeah. Okay, okay. we'll we'll move swiftly on from that one. But yeah, I'm very good, mate. How are you? Are you all right? Yeah, I'm good, thanks. I'm good. Um. now we know Krabby parties are the go-to burgers in Bikini Bottom but what three toppings would you consider essential to the perfect burger
1: oh okay I like this question I like kind of foodie questions I'm I'm assuming we're excluding the actual meat the actual pie in this one unless yeah, you yeah, want to the, include the, it the
0: party's there the band's there what else yeah okay no it's
1: cheese I think Yeah. I think you've always got to include a bit of cheese on that one open goal there <laughs> yeah Ah, of course. That was that's the top one. Then it's where do I want to go with that one. Um, I'll go. I'm gonna curveball. I'll go. Not necessarily curveball. Onions. I like onions. Like mm. see when you kind of go to these events and you kind of like burger stall onions mm. that kind of grilled mm. ones. I love them. Yeah. And then controversial. I'm not a big fan of tomato sauce. Right. Okay. actually kind of a, a weird irrational fear of Heinz tomato sauce that's okay. a story for another day <laughs> okay. Um, so like a mayo or like a spicy mayo or something like that on a
0: burger goes a long okay. way with me would you agree or have I, have I missed any there? Uh, well you've missed a big one for me but I know it's very divisive and that's the pickle um i love pickles but i know it's a very divisive thing so you know i'm not i'm not too surprised to see that not there again ketchup i'm not too fond of either i'd much prefer spicy mayo as well so yeah on the same page there for for once so there's nothing we'll (laughs) agree on for the rest of the podcast but uh, at least we've got the same burgers uh what did you get up to the weekend my man Uh, what did i get up to that weekend there um
1: it was it was a quiet one i've got a couple of big weekends coming up Uh, i'm off to london in a few weeks um, I've got a busy kind of Friday, Saturday, Sunday This coming weekend So I kind of bagged a quiet one When I could obviously bar a shinty um, Another defeat at the hands of Komori Which I'll probably touch on later Um, But yeah I mean, got a nice weekend Sometimes a quiet one's needed and I mean, I'm sure you'll think the same After your many holidays
0: yeah, absolutely. Of, of course. I mean, I was I was at the the Lovett game again, which I'm sure we'll come on to speak about um and then after that I was just at a, one of my well, a family do. Um but not my family, my girlfriend's family. So, yeah. Um I was supposed to be having a quiet one, but didn't know anyone there, so I had to get, you know, fairly Fairly oiled so that uh, so that I could chat to to folk I didn't they're, know. Uh, anyway. They're the best.
1: Four four nervous beers in
0: early doors, and that's you're talking to everyone yourself. Aye, exactly. Yeah, by the end of the, <laughs> I'm trying to dance with the, the you know the distant <laughs> uncle that nobody's spoken to in weeks and that. But no, no, it was it was good in the end. So yeah, all's well that ends well. Um, I suppose we'll just get straight into it with the Wheel of News, so let's discuss some of the topics that have been burning the ears of the Shinty world. Kami, I'll let you kick us off with something that caught your attention from the week.
1: Yeah, and just as you said, we'll touch on a later, Bewley versus Lovett, I think is probably the top one from last week, uh, I'll start us off with a, a bumper derby fixture. Uh, between Billy and Lovett Where natural order Continued With <laughs> uh, Lovett coming out On top And that one <laughs> uh, No uh, Jokes aside It seemed like a kind of Typical Local derby match High stakes A great crowd Big tackles Big hitting End to end Shinty uh, It was a good watch Well I say it was a good watch I watched A fair whack of it On YouTube And I think I will finish The rest tomorrow afternoon Because I actually was Really enjoying it But it seemed I think it seemed like A pretty fair Equal game Quick bone To pick with you though And mm. um, during the Shinty Draft episode, which I won, by the way, hmm. um, I got slated for slotting Ryan Mackay in at wing-back, as that's not his position, apparently, and I was trying to shoehorn players in. Yeah, here I am watching the game uh, from throw-up, and he's marking Greg Matheson at full-back, he's playing full-forward. Uh, almost like he's a good enough player to play anywhere in
0: the backline, but there you go, what do I know? Um, yeah, yeah, I would say, no, no, listen, I, I don't mind taking a bit of heat, like, I'm happy for that, <laughs> but you've got, to, you've got to take some back. He is a very talented player. He probably can realistically play anywhere across the back line. Did you see Fraser Heath in that Lovett squad at all? Was he? Is he or is he not playing for them at all this year? I did not see Fraser Heath. Is, <laughs> I, I, I don't know if there's any kind of more
1: info on that or if he's just injured or whatever, but no, no, he's, he was not there. And yes, he was in my sentence after no. him. Okay. Well, okay. Move, sorry. Move Please on continue, <laughs> Um, Yeah, yeah. Um, it was it's an enjoyable watch, and as much as penalties can be entertaining for the neutral, it's definitely a cruel way to separate the two sides, who really have to find a way past their rivals, and I mean, I thought Buley were brilliant, I think, um, and actually I, I know I joke to you about Buley and things like that all the time, but I think they're such an enjoyable team to watch, I think they move the ball dead swiftly in the forward four, but love it coming into
0: a bit of form of late, mm. um, so yeah, great game of watch, you were there, obviously, what's your take from the game? Yeah, so I was there. Unfortunately, I was on, um, so it was our sponsor day, so I was doing a bit of duties there and, and the collection. So I didn't get uh, maybe the perfect view of the game. Um, but yeah, I think very even. I don't think we could have had too much to complain about if Lovett went in sort of two or three up. They had quite a few chances in the first half. Second half, we really came into it, And then I, I would say we edged the extra time as well, but just couldn't manage to get that winning goal. So yeah, penalty is obviously a very cruel way to lose the game. Um, our penalties aren't weren't really great but you know coming up against Stuart McDonald they have got is. to be really really good to <laughs> to get through there so you know I was a bit worried once it went to penalties but yeah I think all the boys know that there's there's still a lot of work to do um I don't think anyone's getting carried away um with with the start of the season uh, as successful as it has been you know there's still been a few moments where we've we've maybe not shown up um carbers at home and also Sky at home, so yeah, I think a lot of work to do. Um, but yeah, no, it was it was a good game, and it was it was entertaining, and there was a good crowd there, so so that was great. And just finally, props to Robbie Brindle, who was the only player that uh, scored a penalty for us in the shootout, but uh, he did so on a broken ankle. Um, so Oof. unfortunately, he's going to be out for some time now. Um, but yeah, all good, all good. I'm sure he'll come back stronger. Um, I'm going to stick with Bewley. People (laughs) will be rolling their eyes already, Uh, but it's not specifically about Bewley. I'm actually going to talk a little bit about something from Youth Shinty, which we don't normally tend to do in the podcast. But I think it's really important because what a day I had on Sunday at the Kamenak Association's first girls only primary Shinty festival. Now, like I said earlier in the podcast, it was a little bit tender. Um, as I was turning up, the rain was just starting. I was thinking, oh, dear, oh, dear, oh, dear. But honestly, it was great. There were 10 teams from across the north of Scotland who came to the best pitch in the country. No, not the Dell Braveview Park, of course, for the tournament. And it was just amazing to see you know, the girls thrive, really, in a setting that was just for them. The only downsides, like I said, were the weather and the fact that Bealey got knocked out in the semifinals finals um, but it was a great day and some really good shinty and the final was an absolute cracker between Lovett and Kilmali. Lovett actually went on to triumph at Braveview for the second time in two days, um, <laughs> which was tough to take, but uh, even then I was happy for the girls who seemed to have a great day. Um, I think what we've seen is one of the best ways to engage girls is to have sessions sort of just for them. Uh, and we've seen that firsthand at Bewley. We've had about 10 girls going to mixed primary training, but since we started up the girls only staff, we've been seeing 25 plus girls on a weekly basis, which is, you know, an incredible increase. So, yeah, really wholesome staff on Sunday View and well done to everybody who, who organised it, which I played absolutely no part. Um, but Kami, tell me what else had your tang wagon at the weekend? Um...
1: Yeah, one that caught my eye was um, Inverady and Col Glenn finally completing their trio last Saturday, trio of fixtures. Um, and for the third time already this season, Inverady came out on top against Col Glenn. Um, they bounced back from their Cameron Cup shock exit at the hands of Butte uh, by shipping two past the Glenn with goals from Alan McDonald in the first half and a late from former uh, Krug inside man Xander Cole Murray securing both points. Uh, I've seen all three reports from the game, and yeah, albeit they are from a kind of Coglain perspective, but strangely enough, this one seemed like the closest of the three, and I say strangely enough because Coglain were missing some key bodies. Andrew McVicker's still um, dealing with his suspension. Um, his brother Jamie is out through injuries. There's a key wing centre. Their danger forward, Dan McDonald's, out an in injury, and the regular starter, Andrew Tyre, is also out an in injury. So, personally, I was expecting before this fixture to be one of the most one-sided, but Coglain stuck to their guns and were unlucky not to have taken more from it. In saying that, that's Inverary made it three wins over Coglain in all competitions this year, and if you include the twice they met last season too, the combined score in the five games is 15-1 to Inverary. I don't mm. really know what to put this down to. Sometimes teams just don't match up well against each other. And, I mean, take nothing away from Inverary who have consistently got the job done and, obviously, they... They see Colglen as a threat and they, they take them seriously and they play some good attack and Chinty win against them? But Colglen will need a drastic improvement, I think, if they're looking to kind of compete at the national level. But
0: yeah, fair play to Eri for getting it done. Yeah, absolutely. And we'll go from a good result for Invereri to a poor one. Um, we had the boys from Tay 4th on earlier this season for a bit of chat about how they're going after relegation from Maui South Division 1. And I think it's safe to say Probably hasn't been the start that Tay Forth were hoping for to life in South 2. Three games, one win, plus out of the single team cap on the Sutherland. Admittedly against strong opposition, it was GMA and Kilmory. So I was really happy to see them get a win against Inverady and the Bullock at the weekend. A team that beat them just a few weeks ago in the league. Now, are Tay Forth going to go on and win the Bullock cap? Probably not, but I am hopeful that this can give them, you know, that sort of momentum to start building on their league form and hopefully get a good finish in South too. So yeah, I just wanted to give a shout out for the Tay Forth boys this week. Cami, what else has been catching your attention? Well, just touching on that as well, um
1: fair play to them for picking up their first victory in a while and it's probably overdue obviously as you mentioned it's been some tough fixtures for them we've got them on Saturday which will be a good game it's my first game I'm missing for us since our opening fixture last year which is really annoying but I know the boys will know what the task at hand one thing I did notice is and I'm not putting anything out there or suggesting anything uh, I did see that they can be slightly older T4 boys like, in comparison to the Inverated, uh opposition who mm. I do know are partial to a few drinks after the game picked up their first win in five games when at stake was a chance to travel to England in the next round They <laughs> take on the <laughs> England's shitty association in the Bullock if a weekend do in England is the encouragement you need to pick up results, then all I say is fair play to them and well deserved. But yeah, yeah, one thing I did notice I was looking I was looking at the tournament tree today, and I was like, oh yeah, they're playing England next, day. and I no wonder they picked up the results. So <laughs> fair play to them. Um, yeah, elsewhere for me, I um, will probably um, in a weekend kind of a big Macaulay Cup fixtures kind of dominating uh, the scorelines. I'm quickly going kind to of recap some of the the opening Bullock cup contests, which may have gone kind of under the radar. I'll get mine quickly out of the way. As you know, you <laughs> can't wait to talk about it. But Komori obviously progressed past the round with a 4 0 win. We had a weakened team last time we played Komori and an even weaker one this time, uh, thanks to a few last minute call offs, which didn't help. We showed big signs of improvement, but as I said previously in the podcast, Komori are lethal and will be a contender to go all the way in the competition this year. Moving swiftly on, uh, him, Kyles put 10 past Uddington in a pretty one-sided affair. Mm. I believe Uddington didn't feel a full 12 and an injury might have forced him to go down to 10 at one point too. Some teams might have taken this slightly easy, but they were up against a Kyles outfit who were eager to pick up a victory this season and showed no mercy uh, and put Uddington to the sword. Uh, sword. And a deserved 10-0 win A special mention goes to One of the runes under-17s uh, Anna Nicholson Daughter of Kyle's legend Neil Nicholson mm. Who scored her first senior goal So massive credit to her uh, Lockside Rovers also continued Their impressive start of the season They received Derby bragging rights With a 4-2 win over Oban Celtic uh, Celtic were obviously eager Not to be outdone by their rivals But put up a spirited performance But races from Gavin Stauber And Kyle McFarlane was enough For Lockside to progress And of course we mentioned Tay Forth beating Inverary earlier. So, yeah, highly entertaining first round with some big fixtures coming uh, in the next round, particularly Bute and Kilmore, which I like the look of in a repeat of last year's semi-final. So, yeah, good opening round for the Bullock.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Always an exciting competition. And I think it's yes, really funny that you pointed out about, uh, about Tay Forth picking up that win and <laughs> now the journey they had, a match that you described at the start of the season to me as your dream tie um, yeah. away to ESA in the Bullock. I mean, I think this is the first time in in a number of years certainly as far as I can remember that uh, an actual official game's been played in England um so yeah it's going to be a, a yeah. great journey down for them I'm speaking out a complete
1: jealousy for the record as well that sounds <laughs> fantastic and I hope they'll enjoy it as well and
0: fair play to England I hope they give up a, give a good game down there as well yeah absolutely um okay I'll finish off the wheel of news this week by talking about Kinloch Shield versus Carver's Now, Shield Carbers is happening again this weekend, and it's actually my game of the week this week on Shinty.com. So you can have a look there for an interview from Full Centre and Wick Wanderer Donald Nixon. (laughs) Shameless plug, as per usual. Um, I was a bit shocked that Shield won so convincingly at the weekend. You know, speaking to some of the players, it was one of the only weeks that they were back up to full strength, minus that long-term injury, of course, to John McRae uh, since the start of the season. Um, And to be fair, that is probably something we've said about Shield for quite a long time. They have a really strong core and then they have some decent players to supplement that. But if you start losing bits of that core, things can unravel pretty quickly. Cabers will go up there this weekend knowing they can't score. They did get one in a 4-1 defeat. And considering both Craig Morrison and Kevin Bartlett are in the top four Maui Premiership scorers this year, I think it'll be hard to contain them two weeks in a row. Yeah, okay, you might get away with it one week, but doing it two weeks on the chop, that's going to take some real guile. Um, That being said, Shield do have probably one of the strongest defences in the game when fully fit. And obviously they just won fairly convincingly at the weekend. So I think it'll be a lot tighter this week. But I was just really impressed to see Shield get that win at the weekend. And yeah, we'll have to see if they can maybe replicate it this weekend, if this is the start of them starting to build towards something close to what their start of season goals would have been, which would have been sort of within that top three in the league, I would imagine. But that has wrapped up the news for the week. It's time to move to Kick Tip Corner. Um, I would be as well just recording this bit once rather than saying it every single week but once again congratulations to Carlyway Bear who remains top of the tree on 186 <laughs> points what I would say though is the lead is now only two points so we could see some changes in the coming days G McDonald got an impressive 33 points this week so fair play to them rising six places into eighth spot unfortunately It was a dreaded red arrow for me this week, but just a small one as I dropped down two places to 16th. Kami, how did it go for you? I didn't realise the extent of my collapse last
1: week, um, but (laughs) I picked up 22 points this week and I'm still 11 points behind you. Um, It's going to take a good few weeks to claw my way back up the table all down to one awful week. Um, I'm up Two places to 25th. No full four point predictions for me either, but I picked up two three point predictions in my Sky See and Aerie Cole Glenn ones. Um, mm-hmm. I'm assuming the same for you, but Sheelan Caberfee and Love It Twos and See Twos killed it for me. Would you agree?
0: Yeah, exactly the same ones. I mean, I got every other result actually correct, apart from Bewley, who had a sneaky suspicion might get one over in Love It, but obviously <laughs> it ended one each only for us to go out in pens. <laughs> But that was the three fixtures, so back in my own team, which I stupidly do quite often, um, and then those two that you mentioned. So yeah, I think a tough week, but this week I think might be even tougher. I think there's quite a lot of games that could go either way, and I guess we'll go on and talk about a couple of games that, that we found difficult to predict a bit later on. But first, I want to know what you would say is the game of the week, Kami. Yeah, I quite like it when we pick out kind of less known
1: games of the week, or when like a local derby takes place, like we did with Comali and Fort William the other week. But I think we've got a bumper Premiership tie coming up mm. um, between Lovett and Oban Camerik at Mossfield, yep. uh, with two sides who are trying to make their way into the kind of the top three the league. I'd think quick stats prior to the, uh, prior to this one, Camerik have picked up two wins in the league over Cows and Caberfe an impressive draw against Newton Moore before narrowly, narrowly losing to King Yussi at the Dell with James Falconer only, uh, scoring the only goal they've scored 14 goals in 5 games in all competitions and only conceded 4 times which is very very impressive And mm-hmm. um, we've touched on Lovett's stats last episode uh, but the main one I'm taking is that I think they're kind of beginning to find their stride a wee bit this year um, the first 3 games of the season was 2 losses and 1 win which was won by 1 goal margin over Komali who played in the league below since then, it's been two league wins, another impressive draw against Newton Moore, a win over rivals, Bewley, albeit on penalties, only dampened by a loss to King Ussie. They are hitting form, but there's really something about this open camera side this season I can't really put my finger on. Um, I think they're currently the best team in the South, and I strongly think they'll be able to pick up mm. Silverware at some point this year, and will have their eye on the league's kind of top three or even top two. Yep. It's going to be a great game of Shinty at Mossfield in store for the neutral I've picked a one one draw drawn kick tip, but I wouldn't be surprised if Lovett go on a win by two, open go and win by a comfortable margin. It's a really, really difficult one to to call and I think it'll go a long way in kind of
0: deciding where teams are placed in the premiership as well. What are you thinking? Yeah, um a good choice for game of the week and one that I considered for the the association's game of the week, but I had just done Love the week before, so it made mm. sense to go elsewhere. Um I was impressed with Lovett. Uh, at the back against Bewley especially, um, and I think they'll have to keep that up because they haven't really been able to hit that top goal scoring form this year. Oben, I guess, also haven't exactly been prolific this year going forward. And I think throughout the course of the season, that might actually be something that hampers both sides. The lack of a forward who's going to get you 20 plus, you know, 25 plus goals a season. We know that Greg Matheson can do it for Levitt he's been struggling with a consistent injury for quite a while where he's not able to maybe play at the top of his game for Oban. We know last year they were collectively pretty good going forward, but there's no one who's really going to take games by the scruff of the neck for me in that Oban forward line and get them that sort of high numbers that you need to, to go and really challenge for, for a league campaign. Um, That being said, I do think Oban just edged this one with it being at Mossfield somewhere that they are of course undefeated this season. I'm not just saying that sour grape from, from Saturday. <laughs> I I genuinely think they might just edge out Lovett here. But like you said, I'm um, so we so often say when it comes to these uh, predictions, that is one that, you know, you wouldn't be surprised if, if Lovett went and won 2-0, because it's it's top quality teams and it, it so often just comes down to who turns up on the day. Yeah, and like added on from that,
1: like these teams in the kind of these fixtures as well, you kind of see when open Play you say, that's kind of there's not a lot of goals being scored. I mm-hmm. think if one of the two scores early on, um, they could take it from there. I wouldn't be surprised mm-hmm. if this finishes a one 0 one each, two one sort of thing with kind of first half goals kind of setting the president for the game. So yeah, I think it'll be a good game.
0: Yeah, definitely be a good game and we'd encourage anyone, obviously, in the open area to get down and watch that one. Let's also each preview a game quickly. So which match were you struggling to predict the most? Yeah, I was struggling to predict Glen
1: and Glengarry this week. And i actually go as far as saying this is one of the hardest games uh, I've had to predict so far this season. Um, Glen Urquhart, obviously, in the league above, they play in the National Division, which would make them favourites, you'd think. Also aided by the fact that, bar their three 0 defeat last week at the hands of Fort William, they were three wins in a uh, in a row. So obviously mm-hmm. that could be a good wee bit of form. However, one of them wins was a slender one nil victory over um South South um, North ones in Vanessa, which mm-hmm. I think kind of shows a th- maybe a thin gap between the kind of mid table, low table, national division, the North ones, top sides. Mm-hmm. One of the top sides In fact the team Sitting at the top Of the table Is Glengarry Who have scored Just the 37 times In 9 <laughs> games this year <laughs> So free scoring Glengarry can cause Serious problems To any opponent's defence And Glen Urquart, Who can have a leaky Defence at times Might see this First hand Yet Here's a wee fact For you I was obviously Doing my research Earlier on today <laughs> In the 24 times Two teams have faced Each other this season Who are in different leagues So I'm referring to What if one of the teams have been in the league Below so not like a North one taking on a South one, if that makes yeah. sense. So in the 24 times a team has taken on another team in the league below this season. Only on three occasions, the team in the league below has came out
0: in a top, according to my maths, for the record. Wow, wow. Oh, wait. wow. L- listen, Cammy, that's some serious, serious research put in there, by the way. <laughs> Someone give this guy a raise or give this guy any money at all, actually. <laughs> Someone will definitely look it up now and I've, I, there'll be like six or
1: something. I've just missed a few. <laughs> but according to my maths, we'll, we'll go away from Glengarry for a second. Do you want to have a wee crack at thinking who are the three teams that have bet a team in the league above this season? Oh, there's absolutely not a
0: chance that I'm going to get that. You think? I think you could. You think that I can remember off the top of my head like the, the single team cap competition games and stuff like that? I think you should be able to get two definitely. One you won't get what <laughs> what one I definitely won't get so you know that's that's pushing me to have a have a go at that one but I honestly don't think I'll come up with a single one I'm trying to think who well I guess one's one, obvious one, and fairly recent who's playing the same? sameglenacker are playing in the semi-final of the McDon so is... but who are they playing against who did they play before no I think they just played national division teams did they not yeah. You're, shake- you're shaking your head. I'm going down the wrong path. Come on, Cami. Put me out of my misery. Right. Okay. The one obvious one, Beauty Bit Inverary. We spoke about it earlier in the podcast. Did. We spoke about it last week.
1: What a fool yeah. <laughs> And the one you also spoke about the other week as well
0: was Lewis Speppuley seconds as oh, well. And it should have got that one, one as well. The other but one, see, which was a bit... these, both of these fixtures, I'll point out now. I've got to do a bit of saving face because I'm supposed to be the host of <laughs> the world's best shinty podcast. Yes. Both of these fixtures happened whilst I was on holiday in Poland, right. so <laughs> I was reading the fixtures, but I was doing a lot of boozing as well.
1: That's actually fair enough. That's all a, a little bit bloody there. Um, the last one, which was a difficult one because I completely forgot about it as well, was Butte seconds actually, bit Kyle's seconds on penalties. In the Sutherland Cup as well, so Butte actually did it twice. But yet in the twenty-four or something games, only three times the team in the league was better than the team above. So you would maybe fancy Glencar on that sense. But in saying that, I really can't pick it. I'll swing towards Glencar with Glengarry's two-two draw over their seconds kind of lingering over me a wee bit. But there's something about this Glengarry side that I think they can fire on all cylinders when they want to, and I feel like that could cause Glencar problems eh, even at home. But I think it will be a cracking fixture in the Ballamore Cup, and one I'm really struggling to pick.
0: Yeah, I think that's that's fair enough, and I'm quite shocked to be honest that it was only three times out of all those games that that the the lower team has won. But I guess yeah, it depends how you look at it. I, I mean, if you the teams towards the bottom of North, um, one for example, where Glengarry are wouldn't wouldn't have a chance against even the mid-table teams in in the national. But I do think it is a thin gap between. The sort of Certainly the bottom three, you know, call Glenn, Strathglass and Oban Celtic, which actually takes me on to what I'm going to talk about just now, because the one I'm really struggling with is, is Cole Glenn versus Strathglass in the National. Now, looking at the table, I guess you could be forgiven for really panicking about Strathglass. You know, they're they're adrift, three points adrift, bottom of the league. But when you look at who they've played, it becomes clear that they haven't really got their own season started yet. Their home games in the league have been against Kilmali. Inverary, and Fort William, and they've gone away to Lochaber and Glenakert, Now, those are the five teams that will be vying for promotion this year, which, to be perfectly honest, I don't think Strathglass would have ever really considered that they were going to be doing this year. The matches that are really going to matter for them are going to be, you know, the ones that are going to determine whether their season is a success or not. It's going to be in that sort of relegation mini-league, if you like, with Oban Celtic and Cole Glenn. Now, of course, it's nice to pick up a point or two against the teams at the top. I mean, I think we saw Col Glenn beat Glenacur if I'm right earlier in the season. Yeah. Um, but the reality is, the home and away games against Celtic and Col Glenn are going to be the four pointers. And I actually fancy Strathglass to stay up, and I think that that's going to start with a draw down in DeRule this weekend. Kami, obviously that's down your neck of the woods. Are you backing Col Glenn? A
1: good choice by the way for a hard one to pick because I think there's kind of two kind of schools of thought in on this one I completely agree if you strap class will pick up points I think they've actually they've been the, the wrong side of some defeats but kind of almost unlucky as well Um, I think they do have goals in them when they want to they've got a couple of really solid players as well I know they have John Fraser at the back this year they've got Penry um, uh, Jones uh, amongst a few others as well and I think results will go their way and it has been a kind of tough run of fixtures but then you've got the other side where I've called Glenn just maybe hit a kind of wee slump, kind of aided with injuries, as I mentioned earlier, as well as a couple of suspensions. I know for a the fact they have got a few players returning this week as well, so they should be back to a kind of almost full strength team. Um, I'll back call Glenn based on the fact it's in the a of Glenda rule. If it was up uh, at Struff-Glass, then I'd maybe go the opposite way. But purely based on the home advantage or back to like Glenn. But yeah, that's going to be, you know, that's going to be a really good game. I'd actually quite like to watch that one, but uh, yeah, I'll go for a Glenn in that one.
0: Yeah. I, th- I think it's, it's absolutely fair enough. It's, um, you know, we've chosen to speak about it because it is one of the hard ones to predict. Yeah. So the fact that we've gone, you know, different results is, is no real surprise. Yeah. Um, there's no quiz this week. Instead, we have decided to have a little look back at a Camina Cup final of the past. And this week, we're looking at the 2004 final between Inverary and Fort William at Oban. And to talk us through the match, I actually caught up with Inverary's Ewan McMurdo. But before we hear that, thank you very much for joining me, Kami.
1: Cheers, Rip. Thank you.
2: This podcast is sponsored by Talach Holmes, proud partners of the Kamenacht Association. Like the game of Shinty. Tallach Homes has strong highland roots and a heritage going back over 95 years. The superior finishes and high-quality fittings in every Talla home, together with fresh contemporary interiors and energy-saving features, mean you are assured of an attractive, well-built home. For a great choice of homes in the best locations in Scotland, simply search Tallach Homes online or follow them on social media.
0: Ewan, thank you very much for joining me to have a little look back at Invereris 2004 Cap triumph. We're going to get on to the match shortly, but I just wondered if you could maybe set the scene um, by starting off telling us a little bit about the nerves, maybe in the build-up to the game,
2: um, and how you felt on the way to Oban. Yeah, I think we'd been there, I think it was a couple of years previous we'd played see. And uh, that was our first final in 70-odd years. So at least we'd had that wee bit of experience, not knowing what to expect. Uh, we, I think we'd probably, looking back now, we could say we were a wee bit more confident mm. as a team. So we'd experienced defeat. I think by then it sunk in the, of, I think, Knewse's experience had taken them through on that day. We thought we yep. were unfortunate, but you his experience one that, that year previous, so we certainly didn't want to feel that way again. And, uh, yeah, it's kind of hard to think about the nerves, but I think with every big game, there are those nerves, but by then we became a wee bit more experienced, a wee bit more mm-hmm. rounded, and we were facing Fort William well, who who were probably quite similar to us in that they were on their way up, but we, we certainly knew that we were able to, had it within us to to beat them mm-hmm. and you know, you, you look back in these days, big days in your club history or whatever and yeah, I think nerves, they were there, the trip to Oban, but it all kind of goes past in a blur mm. uh, there's all the camaraderie and, and fun that goes with it but I think all in all it was, it was an enjoyable experience looking back at to now and certainly one we were definitely delighted to be part of
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I guess you've been on the on the bus for <clears throat> at least those two, and I'm not sure, were you still playing first team in
2: 2012? Yeah, yeah, I think I was still playing first team in 2012, so yeah. I think by the time 2012 had came along, we'd played in four finals in total, yeah. so there was Fort William in between that and the centenary final, awesome. and then 2012 was probably the one that really sticks in your throat. Mm-hmm. Uh, Getting beat off Kyle's, a uh, local rival, who's a really excited, uh, really a really enjoyable game. I would imagine for people to watch, uh, but to get beat six five in that one, and probably from a position where defensively you think we should have been able to hold on. Then I certainly that one sticks in the throat, but yeah, I'd I'd managed to eke out my playing days for that long. (laughs) Not long after, but for that long.
0: (laughs) (laughs) So that's uh, that's four then four total cabinet caps. You've travelled to, obviously, you know, plenty of experience there. Going down, is it the same as, you know, most shinty buses to a normal Saturday game where you're still just getting the crack and looking forward to the game? Or is there more focus? Is it people try to get in the zone? Or, or what's the atmosphere like on the bus on the way to these big occasions?
2: Yeah, do you know, it's almost different for a cup final because you, you make the effort to... Uh, it's not like your, your local community minibus. You're hiring a bus. Mm-hmm. You've got a uh, family and friends on it as well. That's how we ran it anyway. Family and friends... You go up to if it was open, you would end up stopping off down the street. Half of the bus would get off so they could <laughs> go and enjoy a wee, a wee pre-game pint, and then you were left on. But there was always a different atmosphere with it, and it was, it was tense. But I don't know, I always quite enjoyed it as well. It, at the end of the day, you were—that's where you played shinty with. And mm. from an egotistical point of view, you knew that everyone was there to watch you as part of the, the 24 guys that were on the pitch at that one time as well, so mm-hmm. it was always enjoyable and it was I was exciting at the same time, you know.
0: Yeah, yeah, no, that makes sense completely. Um, you mentioned, you know, the experience you had obviously losing the previous final gnarly to Kinesi and Inverness. Was that playing on your mind at all going into
2: the match? Uh, do you know what, again, looking back, I was still young at the time and There's a kind of youthful ignorance that goes with it as well. You turn up and you play your games. And I I think previously, I I always enjoyed playing in the big games. So the bigger the games, I I thought at that point, I'd had a pretty decent record in terms... Obviously, my aim was to try and get the ball in the net, and I'd managed that in a few previous goals, and a Mm -hmm. few previous games, sorry. And uh, I enjoyed... I suppose I enjoyed the the notoriety that went with that if he'd scored goals in finals he kind of that's what you played the game for, so yeah, yeah that was I haven't played previously against can you see I'd managed to score in that game? I fancied myself you always like uh, fancy yourself in the big games, and mm-hmm. I thought against Fort William, we had a good chance as well, so. Yeah, I was really excited for it and looking forward forward for it more than anything else. There is mm-hmm. always that wee bit in the back of your head that you're not wanting to lose, but more so than anything else, you're just trying to think positive about the outcome of the game.
0: Mm-hmm. No, that that makes sense. I mean, that's what everyone's in Shinty to do is to hopefully play in those major cap finals. Now, I don't want to aid you. Too much here, but I was only seven uh, when this match took (laughs) place. So I don't remember uh, a lot of the players very well. But looking at the two teams, it is a bit of a who's who of Shinty. James Clark, yourself, and Andrew. Um, McMurdo, obviously, Victor Smith, Adi Robertson, Douglas Dando, Willie McDonald, Gary Innes, the list goes on and on. Would you say that was a sort of golden era of Shinty, especially considering, I mean, some of the teams that are around that didn't make the final? Of course, that sort of famous Canusi team was sort of coming towards maybe the end of its cycle or midway through its cycle then as well?
2: Yeah, well, listen here. First of all, thank you for putting me in the same bracket as some of these guys. <laughs> you know, the, you're being very kind to me. Uh, but I think when I look back at the the names and you can go through who's missing out as well, like obviously I thought very highly of the players in my team, we had Graham McPherson, Gary mm. McPherson, Scott Robertson, mm-hmm. Andrew Watt, again even in the Fort William team you had the Chrisy Bamba who was a fantastic defender, Drew McNeil uh, so the, the, these were guys who were, went on to become regular internationals or were uh, regular internationals at the time as well. As far as I saw a sort of golden age goes, I, I think in some regards it was. And can you say who had dominated the game previously were, were starting to, there was cracks starting to appear and they weren't winning absolutely everything that they entered, which you had done previously. And in terms of a golden age, it was probably becoming more competitive uh, you had obviously for William who then went on to have their own wee period of dominance Can you see we're still obviously a force, you had Newton Moore ourselves, we were littered with talent although probably a bit inconsistent if I was being critical uh, Oban Cameron as well you, you had so many good players about and uh, Kyles were obviously on their way up so in terms of a golden age for it being more competitive I think you're certainly right there Uh, there's always that argument about the quality of players, but I I think I was very fortunate in some of the players that I was able to play against. Uh, And then even the ones that came through, I was saying about Chris Bamber and players like that Mm. as well, Gary Ennis, like the ages were Gary roughly, and these guys went on and they created their own history as well, and they were fantastic players in their own right. Mm Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Um, you opened the scoring uh, midway through the first half, and I'm sure out of all the goals you scored here, this one will be one of the most memorable. Can you talk us through the goal itself and what it meant to you at the time when you scored it?
2: Uh, as I say, at the time, you you're there to try and do a job and whether it was me or someone else and you you do it from a from a forwards point of view and I think most forwards would agree to be able to score a goal in a camera cup final is pretty much a pinnacle of your career and particularly again from a total egocentric point of view it's it was the only goal in the game so I was the one that scored the winner but you know it's all about the team and uh, I can remember in particular the, the week previous at training, uh, I'd always sort of played down my own ability against some of the other guys in our team for techni- like technical stuff, being able to score from distance and taking the ball down. So I, I practised an awful lot of getting in in the keeper and always felt that I had that wee half yard of being able to get ahead of defenders. Mm. And sure enough, uh, that game, there, there was a three hit and I remember it vividly. Gary McPherson had laid it off to Russell McKinley. He shot and it came off Scott uh, Scott McNeil, another fantastic player in the in the goals for Fort William. And I just remember running in and he kinda went down a wee bit early and had lifted the ball over him. So I remember the goal very vividly. Uh, in terms of what it meant at the time, it was fantastic. It, I think it was probably I say I think I'm certain it was twelve minutes, so it was a lot. It was earlier than halfway through the first half, you know. So we still had a lot of time to to play out the game, uh, and I'd actually I think I'd had a few chances as well. So the game for a wee bit was quite open, and there was chances there. As it turned out, I was the only one. But after I'd certainly scored, uh, and certainly later on the game it started becoming a lot more about the defending and being able to shut out Fort William. Uh, mm-hmm. If we could have got another goal, great. But I also remember being quite confident in the defence that day as well. They, they just seemed mm-hmm. to be on it. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Um, obviously, you said there you scored in the 12th minute, so you make it to half-time, one lap. Um. What did manager David McPherson say during the interval?
2: Do you know, Davy is always was always a source of sort of inspiration in the the change rooms as well. But we were always very fortunate. We had we were inundated with players of real quality and real experience. So you go in at half time in these games and yeah, the manager can say things to you as well. But a lot of the a lot of the G and up and the concentration, the, the the kind of shouts for concentration come from the players as well. You know, you're on each mm. other. You go in, you're obviously on a high, you're telling each other, right, we've got to keep it tight here as well, we've got to try and score. So we were very fortunate that in terms of our team at that time, we could pretty much keep on top of each other and run it to, run it ourselves to a certain extent. And that's no disrespect about what the manager brings. I think any experienced team has that as well you know they by that point we kind of knew what we needed to do and it it always comes down to whether or not you were good enough on the day to be able to carry it out
0: yeah I know that that definitely makes sense um a lot of strong characters you mentioned that you were you were very confident in the defense so do you want to talk to me specifically about Douglas Dando's performance that afternoon he went on to win the Albert Smith medal um after doing a job on James Clark which is you know no easy task
2: yeah, listen, Douglas Douglas was fantastic in these big games as well. And uh, I always thought with Douglas, if you gave him a task to do, like he had pace to burn, in, which was so vital uh, in in that defensive sort of uh, way that we played. You know, he was playing at halfback. He was able – I remember there was a one point in the game, actually, if I remember from the highlights that he – Outpaced Gordy McKinnon, which was no mean feat. His Gordy was a, an absolute whippet as well, and uh, Douglas stuck to his task fantastically well. But again, having been involved with Shinty yourself, and you've always got opinions on who was the best player or whatever. And I, I always thought that Scott Robertson in that game, personally myself, and again D- Douglas was fantastic and rightly got Albert Smith. But my own personal opinion was on a game like that. They was so tight. You, you needed cool heads at the right time. And Scott mm. Robertson was a really intelligent defender and he, he brought that. And listen, we had Andy Watt in there as well. And I think at points in the game, they had swapped over players. I remember Andy Watt kind of close to the end of the game Pushing James Clark out a wee bit wider so that James's shot was from a more acute angle. So all these wee things make a massive difference. And I think to a man, but in particular in defence, they were fantastic. But as I say, Douglas, eh, Douglas, you could, I could have given it to anyone, and Douglas hmm. deservedly got the the Albert Smith eh, that day. And again, that's something that will live with him forever as well. So a massive well done to Douglas. You know.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, when you look across the history of the Caminac Cup final, you don't see uh, too many shutouts. So, yeah, of course, it's it's not going to be one person who's able to to contain a team like Fort William at that time. It's it's, it's throughout the whole team and, and across the defence as well. Um, what was it like when the final whistle went and you realised that you were the team to win the Caminac for the first time in 74 years for Embraerri?
2: Yeah, Ger, I think... I think a lot of people say this as well, particularly if it's if it's your first one. It's more a relief, like obviously you get the adulation from everyone. And everyone comes up and telling you this and the next thing that is fantastic, and it and it was. And I remember, obviously, Shinty being a, a very much a community sport. Uh, you, it was good, it was great that you were able to share it with the community as well, but. I think uh, that feeling that the players on that day had, you know, it's, it's relief. And in some regards, I think the people connected with the club who weren't directly playing it would have enjoyed it more on that on the day and the event. You're, you're glad to get the game over and that final whistle goes. and Yeah, you kind of realise everyone says you've made history, but it's not till a bit after that you've kind of taken that time to settle that you appreciate the... Uh, enormity of what what you've done. Uh, so, yeah, it, it was fantastic. It's always great being congratulated, but it was a wee bit of a daze, to be perfectly honest. And it's only now that you, well, when time goes by, that you can look back and uh, be proud of what you've achieved.
0: Yeah, absolutely. The success, though, it didn't just stop there, of course. Inverity went on to win the Celtic that season, as well as Manager of the Season Awards and a Maui Player of the Year Award for Graham McPherson. Would you say that the 2004 season is the one that you look back on most fondly from your Shinty career?
2: Uh, You know, funnily enough, uh, as a a season, uh, perhaps not, uh, and uh, certainly the game is the most memorable game, Mm. I would say, uh, but I always thought, I, I was always I've always been kind of critical of ourselves. And we won the Camelot Cup and we deservedly won it, I felt. I think we had possibly our highest place finish in the league, which would have been a bit, I think it was like a third place finish. So having finished third, uh, you know, you, you would still always thought that the Premier League, while you, the Camelot is the one you want to win, the Premier League, mm. logically... Uh, shows that you've been consistent over the season, and to finish thought, I think it kind of showed where Inverary was, and that we were, we were very inconsistent at times. Mm. Uh, it was actually a few years before that, a two thousand season. We were actually in the national division, and mm. uh, we were promoted. And I think we we went on well. We did. We went on a run of having to win so many of our final games. Now it was, it was something like. From the start of the season, we'd lost and drawn a game and we needed pretty much to win all of them to get back in. And uh, that would probably be my most memorable season because that's when the team really sort of clicked and we knew we had a good squad and we could then go on uh, to, st- well, to then cement our uh, legacy as probably mm. Inverary's best ever team. Mm-hmm. Uh, but in terms of that season, it certainly had the biggest high with the Cameron Cup final and we'd won the Celtic Cup and no disrespect to the Celtic Cup but we kind of expected to win that ourselves uh, and that was just what went with the territory when you were yeah. the best team in the South and Kyles have had it and Owen camera have had it but that's it was our turn so uh, it was a great season, no doubt about it but the most memorable, personally, for me it would probably have be been a few years before when we got promotion back to the Premier League
0: Just one final question before I let you shoot off, Ewan. I want to talk about Inverere first team this year. Um, Third place in the Maui National Division as it stands. Obviously, very unlucky to narrowly miss out on promotion back to the Premiership last year. Simple question, I guess, for you. Will Inverere get promoted this year?
2: It's difficult. At the moment, it's very inconsistent and it's it's hard to build that consistency at the start of the year when games aren't thick and fast as you like. Sometimes are called off, teams not managing to uh, get together to get teams together to play. Uh, plus, we've got a new kind of coaching set up with the first mm. team as well. So there's that getting to know each other aspect as well. Uh, and I, I just wonder, I'm hoping, I think, I realise that a lot of the players, I've seen them kind of grow up and I feel as though mm. they've got the talent there. Uh, but it's, you're always very critical of teams that come after you, and particularly mm. if you've had success yourself. I think they could do it, but they certainly can't afford to drop many more points uh, in the league. And I think more than that, actually, is about performance levels. And I know that I'm not really involved too much with the first team setup up now uh, but I know that they talk a lot about performance levels and I think mm. if they can up the performance levels then certainly they can do and I hope, certainly hope that they do as well because I think being in the top league uh, just breeds that sort of hardiness that you need to be able to compete week in, week out and uh, that's perhaps not there at the moment uh, but they're, they're certainly trying hard to do it and I hope to see them back there that's for sure
0: Yeah, best of luck to them for the rest of the season as well. And just thank you, I guess, for coming on and sharing your memories of the 2004 Camden Cup triumph.
2: No, always a pleasure, Aaron. Thank you very much, Okay.